Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello, I'm Daryl Horn, the Executive Director of the San Antonio Baptist Association here in the state of Texas. I want to thank you for joining us on this edition of Sabbath Talks. This podcast is podcast number eight on the topic of corporate prayer. If you haven't watched the Sabbath live video recordings on disruptive innovation and corporate prayer, please go back and watch that video. This podcast follows that video as a continuation of the discussion on corporate prayer. We also ask that you tell your friends, your church members, or anyone else about the Sabbath Live videos and the Sabbath Talks podcast. We're seeking to be a a positive disruptor or disruption through launching these types of communication. We want to disrupt the status quo by challenging our churches to rethink what they're doing and to rethink in a positive way, but to experience a disruption. Sabbath Live is a TED Talk format video recording, and it is recorded on a specific topic. But Sabbath Talks is a series of podcasts that follow the video recording. It's on the same topic of the most recent uh, video recording. Our latest Sabbath Live video recording was on the topic of corporate prayer. Now we're following that up with a series of podcasts on corporate prayer. Today I am honored to have three special guests with me. Each of these men serve as directors of an association of churches. Their responsibilities are the same as mine, only just in a different context here in Texas. We'll be briefly clarifying what a Baptist Association of Churches is and what the director's role is also. And then we'll go into several questions relating to corporate prayer. First, let me let each director introduce himself and where he serves and make an an opening comment as we get started. Daryl, thanks so much for the invitation to be with you. Uh, So appreciate the great work that God is doing through you and the churches in San Antonio. And, uh, boy, I tell you, we're, uh, we're excited with you uh, about the kingdom advancement that you guys are a part of. My name is David Smith, and I serve as the executive director of the Austin Baptist Association, and I consider you all great friends in kingdom work. Darrell, my name is Kent Pate, and I'm the uh, director of the uh, Rehoboth Association in Northeast Texas and have been in this position for a little over 13 years and uh, again like David said just honored that you'd invite us to be a part of this to share about such an important subject and something that's uh, I think a passion in each one of our hearts and lives in the ministries that we have. Yeah Daryl this is Jerry Joplin I'm at the Lubbock Area Baptist Association up on the South Plain. And I as well just appreciate your heart and the desire to revigorate and reemphasize the need for prayer, especially corporate prayer, prayer among our churches. So I'm excited to be a part of this podcast and look forward to what is shared. Well, thank you guys for taking time out of your busy day to be a part of this. I know those that listen will be blessed by hearing uh, what your wisdom and, and your years of experience can tell us and how we can learn from you guys. Our first question on the table 
uh, and I'll uh, jump in and answering it. What is exactly a Baptist association? Some people wonder what we do. We'll get to that question after this one, but our first question is, what is a Baptist association? So, you know, in, in our context, Baptists organize ourselves. We Baptists organize ourselves in at least four ways. First is the local church. Second is a local association of churches. Third is a state convention. And fourth is a national convention. And the good thing about Baptists is we're autonomous at every level. The bad thing about Baptists is we're autonomous at every level. Uh, Baptist Association, our associations are self-governing fellowships of autonomous churches who share a common theological foundation and they work together in gospel-focused efforts in their communities and beyond. Breaking that down is a Baptist Association is self-governing. It, it makes its own decisions. It's paced for its own decisions. It, it, it follows the leadership of God in, in doing what it does to serve churches. It's a fellowship of autonomous churches. And our churches make their own decisions. And they choose to be a part of working together in a network to uh, reach their communities and beyond. We have a common theological foundation and a common, uh, common theme of trying to serve our communities. The first association <coughs> was started in 1707 in the city of Philadelphia. So Baptist associations have been around over 300 years, and they have all those years have provided support, resources, and fellowship to churches. So starting in 1707, the first association was formed, and over the 300 years, there have been, as churches have multiplied across America, local churches begin to join together geographically to form their own associations. And that purpose of forming a new association goes back to 1707, which is to provide support, resources, and fellowship to their churches. So as associations were formed, they typically chose or selected uh, a minister in that area to serve as the director to coordinate efforts to help churches to do an, a number of things. And so uh, over the 300 years, there have been a number of titles that have been used. One is associational missionary. Another is director of missions. Associational missionary, to my understanding, was started because that director specifically uh, worked to help churches get started uh, and to help churches in other ways, but specifically to help churches get started. So he was called the associational missionary. Then later came director of missions. And uh, a term that I use in my association is executive director. Uh, what do you guys use in your association as far as your title? We, we use executive director as well. A lot of times when people just address me, I, I cut it on down another notch and just say director. Here in Austin, I'm referred to as the executive director. Uh, my preference would be associational missionary. I know that harkens back to many days uh, in the past, but uh, boy, I love the, I love the sound of that. Yes, and love a guy that's used director. 
of the Lubbock Area Baptist Association usually, but then I'll usually have to qualify for older folks, especially I'm the director of missions. Oh, okay, I know what you are. Yes, in in some of our churches, our our older uh, congregants understand the the term director of missions because that's what they use over all those these years. I find in a public setting where not when people don't know what uh, a Baptist association is, if I just say director is executive director, they they easy easily understand that term. Uh, now. Uh, across the country, we have a little over 1,100 associations. So from one in 1707, we've grown to more than 1,100 across the country. So let me ask this question. What is the unique role of a director in a Baptist association? Good, Darrell. That is a great question. And with all of those associations, we, uh, <clears throat> we manifest ourselves in a variety of ways. But uh, as a director of association, we are the closest individual or entity to the local church. So we can really have that personal, intimate relationship with them uh, to serve as a resource, to serve as a listening ear, uh, to serve as a vision caster for the particular area in, in which we serve. I just I think there's a, a unique opportunity uh, for churches to gather as an association. And, and the other thing that makes it so unique to me is that we truly can be uh, objective in our service to the churches. Uh, the churches pay uh, for the work of the association. Uh, we don't get monies from national or state conventions. And so literally that, that director of missions, that associational missionary, that executive director, is serving at the will and at the wishes of those churches. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's an exciting discussion to have. Darrell, I, I would just add that when I became a uh, director of missions here, of course I've been around men in that position in my pastoral ministry, but I really didn't know all of what they did and, and how it all functioned. But um, as I spoke, got experience the first few years and I don't uh, want this to sound um, um, oh, um, uh, adding any significance uh, really to us but uh, I found myself just thinking about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and how much he uh, was doing with multiple churches and he was um, starting new churches he was helping with leadership he was helping with church issues and, and problems and he was doing evangelism and missionary work himself and and um, so many times I found myself identifying with his his ministry or his role in the New Testament um, and, and just uh, could see the importance of, of uh, a director of missions even more in our associations in Baptist life because of that. You, you know, related to the Apostle Paul, there's there is a verse in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, toward the end of the chapter, and I, I don't uh, remember which verse it is, but but Paul says toward the end of that chapter, he he mentions about being beaten and all the things that he's gone through. But he says, there's also the pressure of the daily concern for all the churches. 
And many times that verse has been used to explain what our role is. Uh, Jerry, do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, bad. I, I like that. Often here, when people introduce me, they will say, well, he's the pastor to pastors. And I don't want to, I've I, I become more comfortable with that, the idea, because I want to say, one part of me wants to say, yeah, that's true, but I'm more than that, than the pastor to pastor, even though that's a hugely important, needed role. And so I, I see myself as that today, but also a facilitator. I try to help pastors and churches know that my role, as I see, is a facilitator. And that's just someone who makes progress for the churches to move forward for greater kingdom work easier. It helps forward or to assist in the progress of kingdom work. And so I, I want to really emphasize that with our churches, that it, it is a shepherd to shepherds, but also a facilitator to shepherds and to churches. Well, that's a very good answer in relation to what our next question is, is why is it important for churches to pray corporately? Uh, why is it important for us to take the role that God has given us and to facilitate or to encourage churches to pray? Well, it, make, it makes sense to me right out of the shoot that we go to the New Testament, we go to Acts, we go to the beginning of the church. What do we find them doing over and over and over? They're praying. Prayer was central to the birth of the church. How can it not be central to us today? In fact, we read they were united in prayer. Uh, they had prayer. So we see over and over they prayed, and then the power of God moved, and there were great things. The Holy Spirit moved, and the great things took place. Well, we need to see the power of the Holy Spirit move and great kingdom things happen today. So I think that just going to the New Testament, we find why it is a reality. We need corporate prayer because of the power of prayer. We all know that warfare is on and churches are being bombarded and churches are struggling. And what can we do for each other? Well, first and foremost, we can get on the field with each other. We get in the battle with each other in corporate praying for churches, praying for churches. But also, I think it not only creates us power praying for each other, but it links churches together. The Association of Churches, Love of Gary Baptist Association, I tell people all the time, that's not an office. That's not me as the director. It's 116 churches who have chosen to cooperate, to collaborate together. Part of that collaboration, which I love because labor is right in the middle of that, if you spell it. The labor, first thing, is laboring in prayer for each other. And so it is doing that, and it connects the churches together. So many are silos. So many are pastors find themselves alone and lonely in their struggle well if we can link churches in praying for one another that fosters relationships thus it fosters connections for uh, other kingdom work that can be done as well it is a gift we give to each other we pray with purpose for other churches i have said many times when i pastored for 25 years too many times I did not lead my church to pray for sister churches unless the sister churches was, was in great need and was having a crisis. And then most of the time the prayer sounds like, thank you, Lord, that that's not us. 
But how can we specifically and systematically, week by week, month by month, intentionally pray for sister churches in the association that brings power and links us together with purpose? And it is a gift we give to each other. That's a very good answer, Jerry. Very good answer with a whole lot of wisdom and encouragement. David, would you or Kent like to make any other comments? You know, one of the one of the amazing things to me about prayer uh, is that you can pray for somebody else. Uh, you think about that. This this whole idea of intercession, we could take multiple podcasts on that. But you know, who's the best person to pray for you? Somebody that knows you. And in the context of a local association, we know the setting. We probably know some of the people at the various churches, and so uh, praying uh, for sister churches in the local association, to me, is just a natural. It's so very powerful. And what I would add there is, is I think the guys have already kind of hit on major things like unity and power and fellowship and ministry. You know, those things flow out of corporate prayer. Uh, I just want to go back to I think what Jerry said at the very beginning was just uh, if you, if if it's important for no other reason it's important because it really is biblical. Um, you know we've got those great examples in the Old Testament. Uh, for example, Esther chapter four when the people came together and prayed together before she went in the field of the king, and then you got the example of Nehemiah and end of chapter one where. He mentioned specifically, it wasn't just him praying, but it was the people praying about verse 11, I think. And and they were all coming together, and he was asking God to hear their prayers. And then you, you've got uh, examples that we've quoted so many times, like Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, and that's a plurality of the people coming together and praying. Uh, other examples in the Old Testament, and then... Like Jerry mentioned in Acts, um, I thought about that. Acts 1, the church is praying in Jerusalem, uh, awaiting the coming of the Holy Spirit, and they're praying together because Jesus told them to. He said, wait and pray, wait right there. And then in uh, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them as they're praying together. The Holy Spirit wasn't prayed out on a Christian who was here, or a Christian who was there, or a Christian over there. He prayed out, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on that corporate group as they prayed together. And in Acts 4, it's persecution. Acts 12, it's persecution. And, and uh, so the church coming together, praying uh, demonstrated, you know, God's presence, God's power, uh, unity among the believers. And so if we just studied the examples in Scripture, we'd realize uh, just how important it is. And, and one key thing is, is to realize that it was the leaders who made the people understand how important it was. And if the leaders don't lead in, in this thing we call corporate prayer, then the people will not ever really sense the importance of it. Um, so I think it, it begins on a leadership level. David, would you like to add anything? You know, I, I you know, I've already chimed in once, but I just tell you, I think I think you're spot on with the you know with the value and the importance of, uh, of prayer and all that. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm fully in agreement with what these what these guys have already said. 
Well, we are at our wrap-up point in podcast number eight. We want to thank you for listening. We have been encouraged to pray. Plus, we've also learned what the role of an association is and a director and how an association uh, can can help churches. And our first question uh, in relation to corporate prayer is what is the importance of it? We, we encourage you to share this podcast with other members of your church, members of your family, your friends. We would we would like for others to listen to this also. We'll be talking with you next week when we release podcast number nine. And we have a number of great questions that these gentlemen will be answering. We want to be disruptors in the area of corporate prayer. We want to call ourselves and our churches back to corporate prayer. It is so important that we seek God and seek His face and His power. Many times we try to do ministry without His power, and we, we know what, what happens in, in efforts like that. So thank you once again for listening to us today, and we'll see you next week when podcast number nine is released. God bless you, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.